Hello and welcome to the Casuals to Degenerates podcast. I'm your host, Luke Probasco, and with me as always is my co-host, Jacob Belleville. Hello. How's it going, Jacob? Pretty good. Pretty good. I can't believe it's only Tuesday. Yeah. Feels like it should probably be Saturday. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I I got Thursday off work. Super excited. Wednesday night, me and the wife are going to go to a, a Nelly and Flo Rida concert, so pretty excited about that, and then going to a state fair, or the Davenport County Fair here on Thursday. Very cool. So, can't wait. All right. So, I want to get into the NCAA news like we do always. Um, very light today or this week, the NCAA is supposed to be voting on transfers and having as many transfers if you, as you like. So technically you could transfer each. You could have like five transfers because you have your graduate transfer. Um, it's not looking that it's likely to pass, but they're expected to have that ruling sometime in the near future, this week or next week. So... I'm kind of excited to see it not pass. Like, kind of, I kind of like you just like you know having the one one transfer is is good enough. Um, and I hope that they put more like windows on the transfer, like because it just kind of seems like anybody can transfer at any moment. Like it would kind of be nice to have kind of like the free agency window in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's the chaos has been fun though. I've enjoyed the chaos, but the chaos is fun, but at the same time, it's going to change a few things because you got to go get your guy. Yeah, fantasy-wise, I mean, if they can just transfer wherever, you got to bet on talent. Yep. So, hopefully, your process involves that. Yeah, for sure. Um, then that's all of our. NCAA news. Jacob, you want to take our NFL news? NFL news, uh, Deshaun Watson obviously got six-game suspension. I believe Kamara's hearing was pushed out again. So it's looking like he's probably going to play this year. Yep. Typically um, typically players don't do like trial stuff like during the year. So like if it gets to the beginning of the season, I think it's a really good chance he, he does not service suspension this year and, and it's next year which then Kamara's another year older like I don't know this might be the selling window for Kamara I don't, I don't know that's my my thoughts yeah I could see that but I mean the reality is, is what for whatever reason the case has just progressed extremely slowly and so for a determination of him to get a suspension it's probably just not going to happen this year and then you got Deshaun Watson, six games. I follow a guy named Drew Davenport. I think his like Twitter handle is at Drew Davenport FF. So if you want to follow him, he does these write ups that are pretty objective about just like the facts of the case and like going forward. And he's been pretty spot on. Um, I suggest that you go read that. Six games doesn't make sense when you boil it down, but at the same time, the NFL kind of has set their own precedent for these cases. And that was used against them by the arbitrator. And it's also, you know, it's hard to compare cases to cases, years to years, but I think deflating a football is worth four games. Um, Betting on football is worth... You know, an entire season. But that, but that's a line item in the CBA. Yeah. Is the other like they they say, hey, you cannot do this, and so oh, it, it it's just weird. I don't know. It's a weird case. I was expecting like a full season suspension, but you we'll you see what does because they can still appeal. So the NFL can appeal and set whatever suspension they want. The problem is, is that flies in the face of the CBA that they just signed off on. So, 
do they want to piss off the public or the or the players? This is kind of what we're down to. I have no idea why the NFL wants to insert itself into this stuff. They just need to take a hands-off approach and say, whatever this impartial arbitrator rules, that is what we're going to go with. The other of things. The other comical thing is with these arbitrators, aren't they selected by the NFL? They're agreed upon by the NFLPA and the NFL. So it's like, hey, everybody agreed on this. And typically what's happened in the NFL is a ruling comes out and the NFL's like, well, that's not enough. We're going to hit you with more games. So that's kind of, it's like, well, what was the point of this whole thing? In- but then doing that is why Deshaun Watson just got six games. Because they've ruled in the past on violent-like sexual behavior that it's only worth six games. They found that this was nonviolent. And so, it's the stiffest penalty that's ever been given by the NFL for nonviolent sexual behavior. It's, Congrats, and it, NFL. You, you, you did this. I mean, there's no other way around it. And it's crazy to think, too. I can't remember. How, how many games did Zeke get for his accusation, which turned out to be false, if I remember correctly. Like, it was... It was four or six. It was four or six. It's like, the one accusation compared to the multiple accusations. I don't know. It's... So the other other interesting thing is, like, there's all these cases. The NFL only brought five before the arbitrator. So, they didn't bring, like, 24, or whatever that number is. Yeah. It's just, I mean, these, these situations are, like, weird, but the NFL wanting to have last say actually puts them in a PR nightmare right now. Because they're either going to have an issue with the players or they're going to have an issue with the public. And here in about two years, no one's going to remember. Not if he plays good. If he plays bad, they will. <laughs> well, that's just because he plays for the Browns. Yeah. It'll probably be a bigger story that the Browns miss again. They spend all that money and, and miss. But, but, like, even you think back to Ray Rice, he got a two-game suspension for clocking his wife. And then the video comes out, he gets cut by the team, never plays again. The, so, so if there's video, it's much worse than him actually just doing it. Like, whatever the case may be. Like, stop it. Yeah, it's the NFL's done quite quite the number to itself. But we've talked about it before on the podcast. It comes down to one thing, and that's money. Money. So what other kind of news do we have? That's about it. I had a weird thing where I had a guy retire. So Corey Sutton. Um, Didn't he just come out? Retire? Yeah. Wide receiver out of Appalachian State was an undrafted free agent for the Detroit Lions. He retired, I think, today. And he was actually getting some, like, positive buzz. So I I feel like there's more to that story, but, you know, he's done. Well, pour, pour one out for you. I, I had also had a, a loss today in camp. Broncos camp, I, I lost Tim Patrick. Um so, to torn ACL out for the year. So, already starting. Um, we had new contracts. We had Debo and DK get some contracts. So, so I mean, both players deserve to get paid. It's just interesting that, I don't know. I don't get the DK one for Seattle. That's money that they can use to rebuild that team. Having an elite wide receiver for the next couple of years, hey, doesn't make they, sense. They've got a lot of issues that they need that money for. I'm almost wondering if you know, you think that they would want to build their team with uh, a quarterback in the this draft coming up, but maybe they're gearing up for a free agent or another bridge quarterback just to have somebody like, hey, you can come play with DK. 
I don't. That seems like it's an odd contract. It's three years, $73 million with $58.2 million guaranteed. It's just kind of a. It's. It's just odd with the number of years because, okay, now you got to have a quarterback there in three years. Like, I don't get it. But, yeah, I mean, if, if they don't address quarterback, then I think DK is going to be fine, like production-wise, like regardless of who's quarterback. But why would a team spend that kind of money if they're not like actively – Competing and maximizing DK's value. I just, that's what I don't get. That guy needs to be force-fed the ball this year. Yeah. For this to make sense. Um, the other thing, being a 49ers fan, Debo Samuel gets a three-year, $73.5 million contract uh, that gets less guaranteed um, by $0.1 million. So he gets 58.1 guaranteed. Interesting fact, they both have the same... Um, agent, so they get pretty similar contracts. The interesting thing about Debo's contract is that he gets six hundred and fifty thousand dollars for rushing over three hundred and eighty yards in any season. So if he does it three times, he gets that six hundred and fifty k. And then if he rushes for three touchdowns or more, he gets an extra one hundred and fifty k. So I kind of see a lot of the same of how they used him last year, they have built in the ability to do that this year and make Debo happy with that. Because obviously that was what he was upset with. Hey, don't use me as a running back, and I'm going to miss out on my wide receiver money. I want to be paid like a wide receiver. Yeah. I also think that the injuries that he's had like early on in his career, he's like, I'm getting paid at first opportunity. And so he took that. So, in general, I'm not a, I, I'm not a big Debo fan from being a 49ers fan. I just think he is tends to. I don't want to say injury prone, but that was his first like full healthy season. So I think it was a lot to give up, but I honestly think it was more to get Trey Lance weapon than it is for making keeping Debo and we want Debo. I think it was definitely more, hey, we need to help out Trey Lance. we got to make this work because we don't want the egg on our face. So let's try to help him succeed. And Debo is the best way to do that. One of the weird thing is like the Bears are getting criticism because they're trotting out not weapons for like Justin Fields who they just took with the, you know the 10th overall pick. Or whatever that was. I, I can't remember where, where he went, but it just doesn't seem like he's getting help. And everybody's like, what? Nothing? Well, at least they're not doing that with Trey Lance. Yep. There is, you know, some would think if you were to do a trade where you trade up, like, down one spot, the Bears would be the perfect team to do a trade that they could end up getting the quarterback of their future, Mitchell Trubisky, and the 49ers could be set up for years to come. Hypotheticals, Grim. Hypotheticals. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on is, we t- touched on it last week, Kyler's independent study. It's gone. They got rid of it. That... Yeah. Th- I kind of said, you know, that kind of seems weird for the franchise to put it on there. Like you said, hey, you know, they're, you know, obviously it's a concern of the the franchise. They put it in the contract for a reason. And I was like, well, it's kind of weird. I don't know how many players would want to come when you're trying to like nickel and dime them for, you know, getting money back. And then the team comes out and says, this wasn't how it was supposed to be interpreted. I really don't know what you thought people were going to think. So, but... Kyler. Yeah, that, that's definitely how it should be interpreted, was that, that that is something they want from Kyler Murray. Now, 
them retracting it out of the contract makes me think that they had no intention of like embarrassing him. And so I'm wondering like who leaked this? Yeah. Like where did it come from? I would assume it. I mean, honestly, I would assume it came from his agent. And you know, then it's, you know, egg on the agent's face and maybe I'm getting a different agent. He's the embarrassment at that point. If his agent is leaking it, he has to go up to a press conference and talk about it. But if he doesn't know his agent's doing it, I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works. I'm just saying, like, this has to be, like, an intern that had, like, a bag run in with Kyler Murray. <laughs> if, if I had to bet, this is the same intern that worked for the Dolphins that did the Tua video. And then just got a job with Arizona, and then, yeah, he's probably fired from there, too. Here's the difference, though. The Tua video, Tua threw that. <laughs> Without a doubt. He threw that lame duck of a pass. <laughs> um, other than that, I think that's about most of the NFL news. Is there anything that, that we missed here? Um, the only thing would be the NFL has to appeal on Deshaun Watson in three days from the ruling. So I believe it's like, when is that? That happened yesterday? Thursday. Yeah, so Thursday they have to like basically appeal, and then the Deshaun Watson and the NFLPA have two days to kind of get their wits and see if they want to try it. So I don't know. It It's still pretty up in the air. He could get a lot more than what he's got, but it... The end result is egg on the face of the NFL. Oh, something else that just happened today. Had the Dolphins get stripped of a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick for, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact wording, but pretty much for contacting Tom Brady and Sean Payton without getting, um, uh, what's what's the words that are... Approval. Yeah, approval from their teams. So... It was kind of like no way did that really happen. And then it's like, yeah, that, all of that happened. And I saw some stuff that people were wondering why Tom Brady didn't get in trouble. It's because when I think I, I read something that tampering in the basically tampering applies to the person who reaches out first. Okay. So. It doesn't apply to the like second party. So it's just wild that you know 2023 draft class. Uh, we're all pretty excited for it. A lot of fantasy relevant, you know, guys are going to go here in the first and second round. And uh, I'm trying to remember who did the latest mock draft that I saw yesterday. But they had Bijan going to the Dolphins, which I think would have been you know pretty ni- pretty nice. But you don't get anybody there in the first round that's a big hit so yeah and then third round in 2024 so it this tampering it it seems much different than other tamperings that you know teams lose compensatory picks and whatnot like this is this is a big one so i'm interested to see any more information that comes out over the next week Well, want to get into some of our topics for tonight? Yeah. So, we didn't have any league news this week and no trades to mention. So, Nate, not sure what you're doing, but it's not enough. You need more trades, Nate. Need more trades. Um, so, Jacob, what are you most looking forward to? Week one of the NFL season, week one of of the NCAA season. I'll throw out week zero. I'll just say week one of either either one. For me, to be honest, I'm really looking forward to even Thursday when preseason kicks off. So, I don't know. I, I, I would go NFL week one still, but I definitely have more excitement for the start of college football this year, um, even more than last year, I would say. I'm most looking forward to the first week of the NCAA season only because you get it a week sooner. 
It's like just give just give it to me. That's kind of why I went with preseason. I'm like, <laughs> it's it's in a couple days. <laughs> and actually, those weeks week one and week two preseason games, you actually get to see some of the good players rather than you know fourth string whoever for the last two weeks. Yep. I guess last one week now because it's seventeen week season. So, which wide receiver that changed teams this year scores more fantasy points? We've got the likes of Adams going to Las Vegas, Hill going to Miami, Juju going to Kansas City, Hollywood going to AZ, Amari going to the Cleveland, AJ Brown to Philly, and then A Rob to LA. So, for me, I still think it's Adams. Um,. He's already got the rapport there. I do think some dark horse shots at this are like Allen Robinson and Juju. I don't see Amari and I don't see Hollywood. I I think it's going to be A.J. Brown. And that's just because I think he's going to have more red zone opportunities than he had um, in Tennessee. And you don't have... Um, Derek Henry there taking your carries away, but you do have you do have uh, um, Hertz there, but he's going to run it less than Derek Henry. What are you doing up, buddy? <laughs> Can you What's go up, <laughs> We've had we've had the podcast crashed by by my son Grant. What are you doing up right now? Okay. Hey, Greg, are you partying? Jacob wants to know if you're partying. Can you go lay down? I'll be right there. All right. (laughs) That was an unexpected turn. But I think it's going to be A.J. Brown just because of that. Um, And it's the NFC East. I just, I think he's been pretty efficient and shown that he can sustain that. Um, So I think. I think he's going to be the guy there with... I just think the cornerbacks are just better in the AFC West. That, like, Adams is good. I'm just not not quite sold yet on what Las Vegas is going to do. And I think Hollywood is a dark horse because you don't have... You don't have uh, Hopkins there. So you got, you know, just him. He's a speed guy. Run deep routes. Yep, run yep. deep routes. I think he would be my dark horse. Yeah, I, I mean, I've just never been a huge Hollywood guy. I understand that he had a really good year with the Ravens last year and kind of proved me wrong, but, yeah, I just can't go there. If you were – who on the college side would you build your C2C NFL franchise around? Um, I would probably go with Bijan. Just because of the volume of points that he's probably going to score in his prime. Like, if you divide it by season, he's going to score a crap ton of points, I would assume. And then, kind of my, I guess this is my dark horse for this question, is Anthony Richardson. Because if he has a really good year this year and gets drafted in the first round, he is the guy that you want to build your, 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 NFL side C2C roster around, without a doubt. Do you think he's more Cam Newton, or do you think he's more Tim Tebow? Cam Newton. He has a way better arm than Tim Tebow. He's not quite Cam Newton because he's not that big, but at the same time, he's big enough and he's athletic enough and he has an arm. So if he can figure things out and get that first-round draft capital where teams are like, okay, this guy can play in the league then he's the guy that I'm building my roster around. Because if you're if you're shooting for upside, he's got all of it. My my guy that I would build it around would be uh, Keishon Boutte. Um, just because we've t- talked about in our interviews with with everybody and how they're kind of constructing my, their teams. I went wide receiver heavy, didn't take a... I took two quarterbacks, you know, within the first... Like three rounds, and then it was all wide receivers till the ninth round. So 
I'm just a big proponent of our one-point PPR, five flex, three wide receivers. I'm going to try to build one around a wide receiver, and I think Keishon Boutte is the best wide receiver in this upcoming draft class. And as long as he produces this year on the college side, like that will also help. Um, you know, the other answer would be JSN because I think they're the top two wide receivers this year. Um, but I guess if I had to pick a dark horse. So if Anthony Richardson goes in the first round, you're still picking Keishon Boutte? Yeah. Oh, boy. Because I don't need – I don't think I need to build – Not your team. Just you're building from ground up. I just great thoughts about your opinion right now. <laughs> I just don't believe in Anthony Richardson at the NFL level. Okay, he gets drafted in the first round hypothetically, so he's going to get as many opportunities as he wants. I think he has to be like Cam Newton rushing type to to pay off. I just don't know if that's going to work. Cuz I think the NFL kind of started to figure out what to do with Cam Newton and I think to have a Cam Newton rushing quarterback, you have to have a special type of coaching. Like, you have to have good plays and whatnot. So I I think it's situational-based. And with a wide receiver, I think you can, you know, doesn't really matter, but your coaching, go out there and ball out. And you're going to be – your longevity is going to be more than – Yeah, I mean, obviously we feel different about the player, but same time, Cam Newton had absolute shit to work with. At wide receiver, so... Funches, he was great, I tell you. Calvin Benjamin, that one year. You mean Queen Latifah? Queen Latifah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm just not on Anthony Richardson. So, yeah, it's, it's just the player thing. It's like, of course it would be great. Quinn Ewers, he hits... Hey, you get all those years on the college side, and then you you get them on the NFL side. But I'm just not sold on my ability to judge quarterbacks, nor the NFL's ability to hit on quarterbacks, that I want to build it around that. I would rather build my team around known, like from a quarterback standpoint, the known commodities of a Justin Herbert, a Patrick Mahomes, and you know, Deshaun yeah. Watson, those types. So I feel much better at running back and, and wide receiver. So that's why I went um, wide receiver there, and I just take the most talented ones. Yeah, my my only thing about going Bijan with running back is, I mean, generally you can trade a top tier running back for any wide receiver plus. So that that would that's kind of, like if they're in their prime, you can do that. So that's kind of where I went with Bijan. I get the wide receiver thing. I probably would have been there with Traylon Burks. Like he felt like my most valuable asset at times last year, for sure. I think a dark horse could be, uh, depending on his size, could be Jameer Gibbs, um, just because his pass catching, pass catching guy. That if you have the next Alvin Kamara on your team for a long period of time, and then you know, kind of fizzles out but keeps the pass catching and you end up with kind of like a Duke Johnson type, you can get longevity there and, and in a point PPR league, that could be like dark horse that I wouldn't mind. Yeah, and I I love Jameer Gibbs, but I need to see I need to see the weight of the combine. It's gotta be over two oh five. Like if it's not, I'm concerned. I'm moving on. I don't know. If anybody I, really wants him. I think he's at one ninety right now I believe then it ain't happening so I'm gonna have a college producer that could you know get some spot up stuff in the NFL great um talking about QBs who do you think helps their stock more this year DJ U or Spencer Rattler so I think I went with DJ U just because you really only need one year of like elite anything production to get drafted and he's also coming into his second year in college, I believe. So there, there's a lot to like there. Spencer Rattler has always kind of, it might be because of the, like, whatever that show was, but... QB1, I think it was. QB1, great. Um, he's got tools. 
There's a reason he had to transfer. There's a reason why he just seems unlikable. And unless you're like Aaron Rodgers' level of talent, how can you be unlikable and then enter the NFL? You got to be like Ben Roethlisberger good, Aaron Rodgers good. I just don't see it with him, so I went with DJU. I just think there's way more meat on the bone still. Like, he's not dead just because he had a bad year. And I, and I took Spencer Rattler just because he's going to be in the SEC. So you go from the Big 12. He didn't honestly have that bad of a year. It was a pretty decent year. I don't have his stats up. But it wasn't, like, egregious. So you go to the SEC and a perceived harder conference. And if you're able to produce... Like, he was the QB. He was supposed to be the number one draft pick last year. So if you go out and you produce well in the SEC, I think, I mean, you see what Will Levis, like, hype is getting right now. Like, I think Spencer Rattler can can do that. And DJU, if he does well, I think there's going to be questions of, well, what defenses did he really see? I think you're going to have a little bit of that. Well, he's got those – he's got some intangibles and he's he's got the talent. I think – Better or worse, like, that's what's going to happen. The defense that Cade Klubnick and DJU are going to see this year is Clemson's, <laughs> which is, it, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's Georgia's last year, but it's up there. It might be the best defense in, in the entire, you know, college football play, college football period. I don't know. I can't wait to see uh, Devin got- Leary tear, tear him up. Sure, but they've got like two or three guys that are projected to be like top 50 picks in the NFL on their defensive line. Like they're they're going to they're going to tear it up next year. So which college football team do you think or which college football coach do you think gets the axe this year? So after looking into it, I went with uh Scott. What's his last name? Shatter- Scott Shatter- Shatter- Scott Satterfield with Louisville. Um, he's got a 500 record there, and ever since I think like one of his early seasons, he's just kind of gone downhill. The recruiting classes haven't looked that great. They got Chris Bell, who I really like, but at the same time, he completely flew under the radar of most teams. They lost, you know, a player to Alabama. I can just see them being bad again this year, and then deciding to move on. I also read somewhere that his buyouts, like it, like. Going to be under five million. I guess what maybe saved him is they got the number one running back in I think it was twenty four seven consensus or whatnot. While he's not my number one running back, Ruben Owens is is going there. So that might have bought him a little bit of time. Could have. I think. I think the honest answer is I want to see Scott Frost get fired. That's going to be hard. I think because I think he's buddies. He, makes sense, but at the same time, I want like he deserves to be fired. Um, somebody that I lesser name that I think is going to get get the can this year or at the end of the year is Danny Gonzalez, New Mexico's head coach. In his two years, he's five and fourteen, and he had he averaged twelve point two points per game last year, which ranked a hundred and thirtieth out of a hundred and thirty teams on offense last year. New Mexico is just not that great. A more prevalent name, I would say, would be Herm Edwards. I'm just not exactly sure what happened at Arizona State. Like, I thought they were kind of on the up and up. But then you have the, during COVID, different allegations of meeting when you're not supposed to be meeting. Meeting in stairwells, this and that. Then you got a lot of people who transfer. So, I'm not really... I don't really know what they're going to do, and I think they're going to be one of the basement teams here in the Pac-12 this year. So I think Kerm Edwards could be one of those bigger names that, um, for better or worse, is going to be looking for another job. And honestly, hope he goes back to commentary because I, you know, I think he did a really good job there. I like Kerm. I'm an Eagles fan. So, who do you think is going to be the NFL MVP this year? So I went with Lamar Jackson just because he's in a contract year, and actually until he kind of had, he kind of got hurt last year, and they had some other injuries on the offense later in the year. 
but I, he was trending to be like what like QB three for the season for fantasy points. So I went with Lamar just because I think he's got a lot a lot to play for this year, and I think the team's really good. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Did you hear about his latest surgery that he had? I heard that he's like bulked up to two twenty five. He's actually getting a colostomy bag installed, so he never has to leave the field to poop. Perfect. So that's <laughs> we can put him at a we can put him in safety too. So I my NFL MVP is going to be Josh Allen. I think this is the year that he takes that step and does what needs to be done to get the Bills, you know, over that that hump. Um, I definitely like the Lamar Jackson contract money. Um, I like that call. But I think, as weird as it sounds, it just feels like it's Josh Allen's time. Like, if he doesn't do it this year or next year, like, will he do it? Like, What? Are they going to have the money to, like, re-sign some of these other big players that they've gotten through the draft and free agency and all that? Yeah. So I think this this is the, the year that he has to do it. Um, I also said, you know, put up or shut up time of of Josh Allen. I like their chances. We're going to do a Super Bowl preview, and spoiler, I don't have the Bills there because I, I, I think um, another team makes it there in the AFC. But who would you have as your Heisman this year? I think odds-wise, it's going to be Stroud. My... Who do I think is the actual best player in college football? It's Will Anderson, linebacker for Alabama. I, I don't think it's particularly close either. I think I have two dark horse players. Super dark horse on one because one is Sean Tucker. So Syracuse has to have a really good season for him to get there. But if I'm putting a dollar or five dollars down on a bet, I'm going to put it on Sean Tucker and then... I actually can't remember the other one I thought of, but it was a good one. <laughs> um, I'm going to be – I just think it's going to be end up being Bryce Young and he's going to get a second in a row. I think perception-wise, they're not going to – the community doesn't want that to happen, but I think Alabama's got the best team, and you go out there and you, you win – Typically, it's a quarterback award, so I think, you know, I think his team ends up doing what it needs to do and that he uh, he gets the back-to-back Heisman. All those inflated uh, Jameer Gibbs receiving stats. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about him for the NFL, personally, for my process, but I think he absolutely smashes at Alabama this year. Gibbs? Yeah. Yeah. Like, huge, huge. Like, yeah, he did some pretty unbelievable things for Georgia Tech. So, I I think he's... If I'm getting a point per reception with Alabama and, like, that offensive line, yeah. So, what's your going rate for Jameer Gibbs? Let the league know. You said he's available. Like, what do you, what's it going to take for you to let go of, of a Jameer Gibbs? Before the college season? Sure. That's going to be way more expensive than leading up to the NFL draft when I have a good idea, like, what he's weighing, all that kind of stuff. Um, Before the college season, no, it'll make my team completely not competitive. So you're going to have to... I thought you were going for the Kansas of the league. Not really. No, no. Okay. Who who do you think is going to be, or who's your Super Bowl preview? So, Super Bowl-wise, pretty chalk here for me, but I think it's going to be Bills-Rams. I could also see, like, the Niners potentially being in there instead of the Rams. I just think those rosters are really good, so... And they're kind of they're kind of hitting at all the right times. And I went with Baltimore and San Francisco. The NFC is just so wide open right now. I, I, I see the Buccaneers getting the one seed, and... I see the 49ers defense got considerably better and I guess just playing against those teams in the NFC West will kind of I think make them a little bit better. 
I think they're going to get a wild card spot because I, I don't think they're going to win the division. I think that'll be the Rams. So, and I picked Baltimore for my other spot just because they finished fourth this last year. So they get kind of more of the cupcake teams, and I think they end up getting that one seed. They get a bye, and they just get an easier path. While the Bills, I think, are going to have a tougher season and, and lose some games that are going to be some close ones and not get that bye. And I think that's going to be crucial you know, for them and Lamar Jackson. So I, I think it's going to be Baltimore and San Francisco. Um, and if we talked about it, um, it's been about a month ago, Grimm had asked who's going to be in our playoffs for the NCAA. Who are your playoff teams? I think I had Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and then Clemson. I think Georgia has, they had like two deep last year. The team's really good. It just will be. Clemson, I think, gets there regardless of the offense. I think that defense is going to be absolutely nasty this next year, and I think they're going to make that playoff. So I think Alabama probably wins it all. But so, so I went with Alabama, Ohio State, Utah, and North Carolina State. So North Carolina State's one of the top um, offensive scoring teams, bringing about everybody back. Because I think they're like number 36 in the nation in scoring. Bring everybody back. I think they just have to get through their rivalry game with North Carolina, which I don't think is that terrible. And then Clemson. You gotta get. If they lose to Clemson, it's Clemson going to the playoffs. So I think that you know that's what they got to do there. And then um, Utah just seems to have Oregon's numbers the last few years. They've got a pretty solid defense. I mean, they were able to put up points with Ohio State. Um, not like Ohio State had the best defense last year, um, but they were able to go back and forth with them. So I think that bodes well for them in the Pac-12. Pac-12 doesn't have very good defenses. They're just going to light up some scoreboards, and they've got a better defense than everybody. I th- I think they have a really good chance. I think they're going to have to go undefeated um, to make the playoffs, but I think they can do that. So those are my four teams with two kind of wild card teams. And like you said, I'm... I'm all about those parlays. Listen, I went super chalk just because the college football playoff has been so far. So You just want to be right. Not really, because that would actually be a pretty – your playoff sounds a lot more exciting, to be honest. You know. Because I think it would end up being – you'd have Utah end up playing Ohio State and North Carolina State playing – Alabama, I think, and I think that Utah Ohio State game would be fun. Hey, if that happens, what happened? Like, what are you gonna do if Devin Leary makes Bryce Young look bad? It won't matter. I've got them both. <laughs> I got them both now. I I just I think he's gonna command that offense really well, and I think he's one of those dark horses that, for whatever reason, those. Draft gurus have six quarterbacks, I think, going, and I think he could be one of those. He could be one of those six. I'm not always in love with all the six that they have there, like this Tanner McKee. Like, I don't see it, but I'm not good at identifying those quarterbacks. So, no one is, but so I think that that could be that would be a fun play. You're right. That would be like that would be fun. Because that Rose Bowl, Ohio State, Utah, like that was a blast to watch. It, you know, kind of reminded me of the call. It's kind of reminded me of the NFL Rams, Kansas City Chiefs. Like yeah. that was that was a fun game to watch. Um, so I've got a couple takes here for our C two C league, and I want to kind of we've talked a lot about the NCAA stuff. So I want to just talk about some of the my NFL takes. I think... Hey, Luke. Yeah. I'll be right back. All right. So I think some of my NFL takes are Patrick, Corey, and Brett are going to battle for the two of the last... Or 
Yeah, the last two playoff spots. So one of you guys are going to be left out. And I think you guys are going to be at a 7-7 seven and seven record, all battling, jockeying for, for two of those spots. Um, and I think there's a pretty big tier break. I think we've got those seven teams of myself, Grim, Jacob, Ian, Patrick, Corey, Brett, and then I think there's a drop-off between Tweet, Nate, and Chad's team. And, like, how I, I kind of have... I just kind of use Sleeper as... I know no one has their rosters, like, fully set and things are going to change. But it's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty big drop-off there. So... Um, and I think... My other take is going to be in week six is going to be a pretty fun week for the NFL side. I think Nate and Chad are going to be the battle of no-win teams going into that. And whoever loses that is going to get the NFL 101 is is my my thought. How, how I had Sleeper play out the season, um, Chad ended up... 0-14, and Nate had one win. He was 1-13, and his one win came against Chad, which, if you think about it, that's a big drop-off from his almost undefeated season a year ago. So, then <clears throat> in week six, I think it's... We have the battle of the unbeaten, or the battle of the beaten teams with Nate and Chad, and then the battle of the unbeatens with Luke and Grimm facing off um, in week six. And I think, based, and I just kind of looked into who's got bye weeks and stuff, and I think Dennis has less guys on bye weeks, so I think he ends up winning that. And I have Grimm going 13 and 1 with his lone loss coming against his cousin, which will make for a great Thanksgiving meal. I can't remember how last year played, but uh, I I think that's going to be Grimm's uh, lone loss this year to go 13-1. and one. Pretty impressive year from, for Grimm on the NFL side is my, my thoughts. Jacob, do you have any league takes this year? Whether they're player takes or team takes, yeah, not not too many. I think, I actually think the college side could be competitive, but I plan on burning a little bit of my fab like right away after week one. It's just something my team needs. I think I have three of my quarterbacks are by weeks nine, mm-hmm. and then I've got two or three of the other ones that are by week seven. So that's basically two losses. I mean, because I only have four guys that are actually starting this year. So I, I plan on burning some fab. I don't know. We'll see how college goes. I just need everything to go right. I just don't have a ton of, like, productive depth, like right now. My starting lineup looks fine, but the depth is it, it's going to be it's going to be pretty tricky. Yeah, once you get into bias, that's going to be that's going to be rough. I yeah. I really want to use some of my fab early, but with the needing to have our rosters at 45, I don't really have guys that I feel I want to cut cuz I have the team that I want. So, I got to wait for an injury of some sort before I can make some moves. I think I had five or six before the season started last year, so I believe today was the first day of practice, right? I think so. Yeah, so it was really nice seeing some Andre Green highlights. He popped off a little bit for UNC, so I'm excited about that. He'll be a red zone threat. Can't wait. He's going to be a deep threat. He's What is he, 6'4"? 6'3". Like one eighty five, one ninety, but he, he's an ex, he's an outside receiver, so obviously in my wheelhouse. But at the same time, those don't always pan out. I just so, think he's going to get a lot of work there in the red zone because people are going to no. focus on on Josh Downs, and I think he's going to be the beneficiary of 
of some of that yep. work. I, it, it was nice seeing him just get on the field and make some plays, I guess, on, on, on Twitter. But at the same time, his tape is one of those that is scary just because half of it is one-handed catches. So he, he's a freaky athlete, but at the same time, I don't know if he's all that technical <laughs> like of a receiver. Like I don't know if he really knows how to play the position or if he's just a better athlete, kind of Demon Demas-like, right? Like, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm just excited for the season to start. I don't know how everything's going to work out. I think NFL, there's a little bit more disparity, but to your point on Nate's team, He's got these rookies. If a couple of them pop off, those projections completely change. Yep. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out. Well, I'll say like Grimm's team getting that like I have thirteen and one for Grimm this year. That Herbert deal really propelled him um, to to make his his roster a little a little better there. So a lot better. So. Well, there's a lot of marks with the other quarterbacks there, right? I mean... Yep, he just had all the rookie quarterbacks last year, so... But I think if you have Herbert and you have one elite quarterback, I think you'll be just fine if you're good at all the other positions and can fill your flex spots, so... Well, that's going to do it for us today. We've made it under an hour, so kudos to us, Jacob. Yep. So, that's going to do it for us tonight. We're going to be back next week... Jacob and I talked. We are going to try for every Wednesday kind of going forward here in the next, I shouldn't say, during the season. That's what we're going to try to do. There'll be Tuesdays or Wednesdays for the most part here leading up to the season. So with that, next week we will be talking about our waiver pickups on the college side last year, kind of evaluate how those went, and then evaluate the guys that went to the NFL who did better at you know picking guys that were NFL ready? And hey, do we have a savant at the tight end? Is Chad the tight end whisperer? I don't know. Seem to have a lot of tight ends to get drafted, so we'll see. But we'll kind of break that down here next week. Um, until next week, this is Luke Probasco, Jacob Belleville, and this is your reminder to always start your studs. Bye. See ya.